You're listening to Ritual, a podcast for curious humans, all about creative practices, mindset, and professional improvement. I'm your host, Daniel Lamb, CEO of Holland Creative. Welcome to the podcast, Annie. Thanks for being here today. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Awesome. All right, Annie, before we get into our conversation about ritual and systems and processes, I am going to read your bio for the listeners. Prepare yourself. Annie Bacher is a copywriter who helps tech teams and software as a service SaaS companies get clear on their messaging so they can write copy that connects deeply with the right users. She uses her copywriting skills and her background in UX writing, teaching, and workshop facilitation to help her clients figure out what they're trying to say so they can attract their ideal users and improve customer experiences so that users stick around. Annie's originally from New Hampshire, USA, and is now living the steak in Malbec dream in Buenos Aires, Argentina. When she's not writing or workshopping, she's reading, running, or swinging on a flying trapeze. That's pretty fascinating. So Annie, I have to ask you a little bit more about the trapeze thing. I I wasn't thinking about this when we first started chatting today, but since we just had a circus performer on the show a couple of days ago, how did you get in trapeze? That seems like a, a kind of a hobby or a skill that you don't just fall into, no pun intended. Yeah, it is kind of a random hobby, but I I really like that it has nothing to do with anything else in my life. Like it has nothing to do with my work. So it's really an escape. I don't know if you're familiar with Club Med. It's like a resort chain and they, in a lot of their resorts around the world, they have a circus school and we went on vacation in Florida when I was 14 and I just started doing flying trapeze. And then everywhere I've lived since then, I found a way to classes. And here in Buenos Aires, there's a trapeze rig. So I usually, not during COVID, I go once or twice a week and fly on trapeze. Wow. I'm sure that there's probably something profound about trust involved in that. And we could probably get into a rabbit hole of a conversation about that. But before we get into the whole shebang of ritual, creativity, processes, systems, trust, etc., I do have to ask you my number one question. Annie, what is your ritual? My ritual, so I'm a writer, and I think one of it doesn't sound very exciting, but it's really important to my just my day and my energy is just having space in my schedule that's blocked out for writing and checking in with myself. So that's in two places right now. Like the first thing I do when I get up in the morning is I make coffee and then I do like morning pages. So usually it's Three, I just write, I put on music and write um, until I filled up three pages. And I try and do it without thinking. So just letting whatever is in my brain come out. Yeah, when I started doing it, it was a struggle to fill the three pages. But now sometimes I'll find myself just like going on for half an hour. Sometimes I start work really early. So it's really important for me to at least have that time to just write about anything before I start doing work. So you said you you start work pretty early. Do you have a a really early wake up time? Are you in the 5 a.m. club? So I'm not part of a 5 a.m. club. I'm part of that like 6.30-ish club. Yeah, I'm an early bird and I just have a lot of creative energy early in the morning. So I try and get up pretty early. And then I start work around 7.30. 
like seven seven thirty to nine ish. Those are my like my golden hours where I have the most focus. Do you think it's important to like protect that time religiously and make sure that you have that those hours to do your most important work? Totally. Yeah. At the beginning of twenty twenty, I took a course called Reset and it's all about like resetting your work day and recalibrating how you work. And there's an exercise around energy mapping and you had to identify like what types of energy you have throughout the day. Doing that exercise made me realize that I had the most creative energy from like 7.30 to 9 in the morning. And at that time I was working out earlier. I was working out, out at that time and I was wasting, like no wonder I couldn't get focused because yeah, I was, I was wasting my most creative hours at the gym where I wasn't being very creative. One of my coaches is a guy named Craig Ballantyne, and that's kind of his core message as well, which is figure out like what time of day you're the most productive and guard it and then schedule your life so that you still have time to do your your routines, your exercise, you know, meditation, whatever it is that makes you feel balanced. But if you are creative in the early morning, like then prioritize that. And that's been helpful for me too, because I'm the same way. Yeah. I love that book, uh, a perfect day formula. Yeah. The perfect day formula, that book and, and this like energy mapping exercise helps me. I think it's so easy to think to fall into these rules of how your schedule has to be. And if you have like a full-time job or in my case, I work for myself. So I have so much freedom, but I didn't even see, I didn't even see that I could play around with my schedule and match it to my energy in Craig's book, he talks about like being more proactive about designing your day instead of just kind of letting things happen. Yeah, exactly. I think the nomenclature he provides is master the morning and win the day or something like that. But I think that's actually a really good segue into talking about some of the stuff that you're bringing to the table. I think because I think that when it comes to freedom versus structure, I think that in the world of entertainment, in the world of the sort of the zeitgeist, we look at creativity as this sort of wild, untamable, sort of nebulous thing that sort of demands a reckless lifestyle or reckless abandon and a lack of systems and structure. But you pointed out that systems and structure might seem uncreative or even limiting, but how there's actually... Creating intentional structure, whether that's in virtual spaces or in physical spaces, can have a really profound impact. Could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So I think as much in like in your own schedule, scheduling every minute of every day sounds rigid and not fun. But if you create space for creativity to happen or just I create space for journaling in the morning and that gives me a lot of freedom in team. So I work a lot with tech teams and I think a lot of the people I work with maybe don't have a creative background and they think that creativity is something that just happens to you. Like they look at me and they say, oh, you're a writer. Like words just come to you. I don't know. This probably happens to you too. Like you can just write copy on demand and it's just a gift that you possess. And a lot of the work I do with tech people and anyone is helping to show them that creativity doesn't just happen. You can create, like sometimes you'll get a lightning bolt of inspiration and you'll just have an idea and get really inspired. But most of the times you have to kind of create structures and spaces so that you can come up with ideas and you have to create a process. So you can have a process for creativity just like you would any other kind of activity. So you can have step like a ritual steps that you go through so that you can come up with ideas and, and create things. Yeah, completely. I can really resonate with that, how working, you know, in group settings can be made better. And that's something you focus on too, right? Is facilitation and not just direct 
copywriting work, but also like facilitation work and some of this more empowering stuff. Yeah, I work a lot with teams. And I know like some copywriters work maybe one-on-one with clients. So they have one point of contact and the the client is in charge of getting together the information and helping them write or create the deliverables. But I really like getting into kind of the team dynamics and helping teams come together and and be creative and kind of that messy teamwork that comes before you can decide what your message is and what you're trying to say. So yeah, I run a lot of virtual workshops and I mostly use them for brand story work. So helping teams come up with their brand story. And I create a lot of, I'll design the workshop so that it's this balance between like, how can we have a structure and kind of keep an agenda and keep going and not just have these discussions that go on forever and you never get anywhere, but also yeah, how can we leave room for, you know, that magic that happens when, when people come together and they come up with ideas that they wouldn't have ever thought of on their own. That's really cool. And I've learned a lot from you about that. You and I had a strategy session a few months back where you taught me a facilitation method that you use. And it really opened my mind up on like how to have better conversations. So I can definitely see like just how valuable this is. So on a tactical level, do you work this into your scopes of work with clients or is it something that you offer as a standalone thing? Like how does that sort of fit in? Because I know that in the marketing world, a lot of people will say they're, you know, people want to pay for outcomes. People want to pay for deliverables, but people don't want to pay for strategy. Yeah. So it's still kind of a work in progress. At the moment, I, I've been offering it as a separate thing. Yeah, I haven't worked it into my copywriting packages, but I have had people who hire me for the, like the brand story work. And then once we've done this intensive workshop and figured out their brand story and then they have all this clarity, then it makes sense. It's not like a smooth process yet, but most of the time I offer it separately. So often clients will hire me for the, this brand story workshop. And I think it's attractive because it's a, it is a structure. It's not like this nebulous, I'll just come in and help you figure out your brand story. Like I have a very specific process that I follow. So people who have hired me to do it, I think that attracts them, but then often we'll do all this work to define their brand story and they get all this clarity on their message and we figure out their messaging. And then it makes a lot of sense. Often they'll hire me to write, write their website copy or write copy for other deliverables because we've just done all this work to figure out their story. That's very cool. Segwaying, you're also kind of doing some cool stuff around things like your idea inbox. So making space for spontaneous ideas to happen. And so you mentioned a couple of things about these containers for creativity. You kind of talked a little bit about having your morning routine, but I'd love to hear more about what these containers are and how we might be able to make use of something like that. Yeah, I'm a big fan of containers. So one thing that I think about a lot is how, like I said before, we we sometimes think that these ideas and inspiration comes to us as like a lightning bolt that just happens to you. And that happens sometimes, but I don't think that's sustainable. Like, I don't think you can expect to always have ideas on a regular one month basis. So I'm always trying to figure out if there's something that's important to me, having idea, having a space for ideas, having space for writing, like how can I make sure there's a container in my schedule? And so I use Notion as like the the physical space that a lot of this stuff happens. Yeah, there needs to be like a, a recurring 
time and place for things to happen with ideas. So I go on, I go on a lot of walks and I often come up with ideas when I'm walking and I used to email them to myself and I would come home and have 10 emails with all these ideas that I had come up with. But the, the problem with that was that when you email something to yourself, the ideas immediately turn into action items, like things that you have to do to get them out of your inbox. And I wanted a place for them to kind of marinate because I mean, you, you're an entrepreneur. So like we have so many ideas all the time, but not all of them need to be acted on. So I was trying to figure out how do I create a process where I can have lots of ideas and put things down on paper, but I don't have to feel like I have to act on all of them because that's distracting. So I just created a page in Notion called my idea inbox and I have Notion on my phone and I just write ideas down throughout the week because it's not my inbox. I can just write anything and I don't have to filter myself. I don't have to turn it into a to-do item yet. And then I have CEO check-in time every Monday and Friday. And part of my CEO check-in is going through my idea inbox and getting it down to zero. To take ideas out of the inbox, it doesn't mean I have to do them or act on them. I just have to decide, do I want to put this somewhere where I can act on it? Or do I want to delete this or just leave it for another time? And that's really helped me to just be able to have crazy ideas, but not feel like I have to immediately take action on them. Being able to let an idea sit for a week or two and seeing if it's really valid. That's interesting. So when you're on your walks, are you like doing voice notes? Or are you actually walking and writing in your phone? It's a mix. So I was in California for the last eight months and I would be walking through the woods. So I sent a lot of I have like hours of voice messages to myself, but I'm currently now I'm home in in Buenos Aires in the middle of huge city. So I'm not talking on my I'm not sending voice messages as much. Yeah, mostly it's just notes on my phone. But I like Notion because I don't have to. It's like a blank page. So you don't have to go into your inbox, like your email inbox, and then you get distracted by other things. Yeah, Notion's pretty amazing. Like the one thing that I've found that's cool for lately has been saving all my highlights from books that I'm reading. So like I'll export quotes from Kindle app and Scribd app into like my little, you know, just a folder in Notion. So it's all there. It's a nice thing to have and also not to have to keep track of them or have them in my email or some other place where it's distracting. You uh, you sent out an email the other day to your list and I'm on that list. And so you dropped a couple of names of really cool books that I've read. And I haven't really gotten a chance to chat with anybody about these two, but you mentioned deep work and digital minimalism. How have those helped you out? Because it definitely sounds like you've picked up a lot of the tools that Cal talks about in those books. Yeah, I think some of the things I, I don't even realize that I've borrow them from those books, but they, yeah, they've influenced me so much. Deep work. I think the overall thing from that book that I took away was just how important it is to carve out time for deep work and how it's not like a a one-time thing where you have your, your two hour deep work time on your schedule and you're set. Like it's a constant process. So I've been constantly every week or so trying something new to see if I can get more of that like undistracted time because that's when when you have that deep focused work that's when really your best work happens yeah and then digital minimalism I think is a really good companion to that often what we think that we get a benefit from a certain technology like we use Instagram and we get maybe if you're a business you get leads or or you get connections or ideas or whatever but I like that book because 
it encourages you to think about, okay, but if your goal is to get to connect with people, is Instagram the best way to connect? Wouldn't it be more or it might be more effective for me, it's more effective to not spend hours on Instagram and to connect with people like on talking on Zoom or going out with a friend to get coffee. And yeah, but I really like that Cal Newport just he doesn't he's not super prescriptive, but he really challenges you to think about like what your goals are and what you're doing with your time and your deep work to work towards those. Yeah, I really respect that about Cal as well, is that as a science background, he is definitely one of those people that invites us to try things out, test, make our own life a laboratory for testing and seeing what works. And his advice is really good, especially the way you said it, like deep work is a great practice and digital minimalism gives us the support we need to enact on that deep work. Because yeah, I I have found that a lot of the sort of editorialized comments that he makes about social media and about technology and sort of its function and its design as sort of an addictive pattern creating entity is definitely true for me. Having somebody remind me of that to be more intentional is is incredibly valuable. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's his science background and the way he talks about it's It's really scary how social media and just distraction in itself changes our brains. And like as someone who we rely on our brains and our focus for our living, like the better yes. work we can do, the, the better we can do in our business. And so that really shook me thinking about like every day that I don't make an effort towards getting more deep focus and being more of a digital minimalist is a day that my brain is like learning to be more distracted. <laughs> that's kind of scary. Independent too, right? hundred percent. I think I read deep work back when I was working in a corporate office in an open office plan where anybody could just walk up to my desk at any time and say, Hey, Daniel. And that was, I think the sort of part of the genesis of my decision to get out of a traditional work environment and go to business for myself was because I read that book and I was like, wow, this is talking to me because I remember that was a massive frustration as a creative in a company. My job wasn't to sit in meetings and chat, chit chat with people all day, although I did like some of that stuff, but it definitely made it hard to get into a flow state of any kind. Yeah, I had that same experience. That's why I, one of the reasons why I left my agency job that I just, it was like heartbreaking every time I was trying to, I was trying to get really into a piece of work and someone would just pull me into meeting or ask a question. And it was really frustrating. It's the thing where they, they walk over to your desk, they put their finger on the corner of it, put one hand on their hip and say, Hey, Annie, got a sec. And it is a death by a thousand print pricks. Yeah. Have you read the article called Maker Time versus Manager Time by Paul? I, I forget who, uh, what his last name is, but it's all about how we, you either operate on maker time as a creative or manager time, like as someone whose job, like a CEO whose job is to talk to people all day and how a lot of the times people on manager time don't understand how detrimental it is to like, if you put a half an hour meeting in someone's Day. Like it's not just that half hour. It just it like destroys their whole morning or their whole day because they have to switch out of maker time and get into manager yeah, time. Absolutely. I, I don't know if I've read a specific article. Maybe we should put it in the show notes for people, because I, I do feel like I have read something about this topic. And I want to say that 
I don't know if this is the same article, but there's this thinking that manager time is pretty much like the modus operandi of the corporate world. Like it doesn't prioritize maker time because so many of the job functions are around comms and, you know, interactivity. And so, you know, the people whose job it is to really create and make things, they're kind of forced into a really difficult place when, you know, the expectations are high, but the environment isn't copacetic to what needs to get done and facilitating and fostering that. That's so true. And if you think about like open plan offices and how everyone now, I think everyone's caught on that they're not a great idea, but people who decided to have open plan offices were probably the maker or the, the manager people who are talking to people all day and think that being in connection all the time is a good thing. Yeah. And it's the boomerang effect. It's you throw this out there and you think it's going to be great, but then it comes back to you. And so, you know, micromanagers on segways running between the aisles is probably not helpful for people's focus. I don't know that I've ever seen a person on a segway in a building before, but I imagine that that's like my worst nightmare. Yeah. Same. I think we're getting into a place where I want to know how can people get in touch with you? How can people connect with you out there in the world? What are you up to and what should we know? Okay, so I'm currently working on preserving my creative energy, so I'm not on Instagram as much, although you can you can find me there. But where I spend the most most of my time is on, on my email list, and I'm I'm really enjoying writing every week. Not I've been writing consistently for a year and a half, and yeah, just that like consistent practice of of writing and interacting with my email list has been wonderful. So I'd love if you, if anyone listening wants to get my emails, I'm anniebacher.com slash email. And then things that I'm working on, um, doing a lot of reflection and trying to, trying to have space for reflection and make plans for next year so that I can build in this like creativity and reflection space into my next year. Yeah, hundred percent. I'm I'm in exactly the same place of wrapping up a few projects and really trying to carve out some time to get clear about the next steps forward. So, Annie, thank you so much for hopping on today. This has been really fantastic. I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to Ritual. If you enjoyed this episode, leave us a review. Your ratings and reviews help more people like you find our podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and share this episode with someone that you think would love it. Special thanks to our producer, Emily Milling, and her team at The Ultimate Creative and our amazing business manager, Erica McCauley. I recorded the intro music for this podcast with Spencer Garn at Diamond Street Studios here in Atlanta. Until next time, I'm Daniel Lamb. And just remember, everything that you need to be creative is right here with you, within you, in this moment. (laughs) 